Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so happy you decided to listen today. This Wednesday, we had our Bible study, and we heard from Brother John Michael McLaughlin, and he preached an encouraging message entitled, The Power of a Dog. The Power of a Dog. Let's go listen today. Hope you're encouraged. But I'd like to read first from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse number 4. Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse number 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Somebody say, there is hope. Sounded kind of hopeless right there. Now, I want you to say it with some power behind you. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is what? Amen. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Somebody say, a living dog is better than a dead lion. Amen. That verse stuck with me and I asked myself, what does this verse really have to say for me? There was something about the way that Solomon worded it that it just touched my heart. And I thought to myself, what does it really mean that a living dog is better than a dead lion? Of course, the obvious is true, that anything living is better than anything dead. But I believe that there is a a deeper meaning for us that we can take out of this. And if you'll pardon me for a minute, I need to turn in my, my sword right here to the, to the uh, passage that I'd also like to team up with. And it's going to be in the book of Judges, chapter 8, verse 21. So we're all going to turn there together really quick. I was preaching in Justin on Sunday and the Lord gave me the opportunity to preach, and I told him, I said, if you ever see these days, preachers preach with electronic notes and typed out notes and everything, and I said, if you ever see a preacher now preaching from an open word, you know that the Lord just laid a scripture on his heart right before service started, so I'd like to read to you from the book of Judges chapter 8, and I'll read uh, verse 20 and 21, and he said unto Jether his firstborn, up and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared because he was yet a youth. Verse 21, then Zeba and Zalmunna said, rise thou and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Zeba and Zalmunna and took away the ornaments that were on their camel's necks. Amen. Another powerful uh, phrase that stood out to me, for as the man is, so is his strength. For as the man is, so is his strength. And if you will bear with me tonight, and if you will preach with me tonight, um, I would like to submit to you this simple title, The Power of a Dog. The Power of a Dog. Amen. If you're going to preach with me, can you pray with me for a minute? Lord, we give you glory in this place. I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint our hearts. Let us receive your word. Let us uh, hear your words and receive them, mighty God. I pray also that you would anoint our hands, Lord, that we would fulfill and accomplish and do your word. 
Mighty Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every one of us, God, to be in tune with the Holy Ghost here tonight, that as you desire to speak, let us also desire to hear it and to do it, mighty God. I pray, Lord, that your word would go out with liberty, mighty God, that it would not be fettered, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every one of us in this place, God. I pray, Holy Ghost, that you would deliver a, a timely word to us. I pray, let there be healing by the word of the, of the Lord. I pray, God, let there be those that receive the Holy Ghost. I I pray, God, let us be transformed. I pray, Lord, would you let it go just beyond the here and the now, but let it go into the future as a prophetic word, mighty God, and prepare our futures, Lord, to receive a greater outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you're going to preach with me, say amen. amen. You may be seated. If we could go to the slide, I have a, a, a slide here, and I'd like to just show you. Now, that is a beautiful chocolate lab right there. That is my Sheba girl. She has been uh, so close to our family for several years now. I think eight or seven or eight years. We got her seven or eight years ago. We got her, and she has been probably the best dog that we've ever had. And uh, she amazes me so many times whenever we're playing outside in the backyard. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take her out there, and she is so excited just to go out into the backyard and play, get some fresh air, run around the yard, and um, on our daily life when we're inside, she obeys you, she does not have accidents in the house, she treats guests well, she's always excited to be around people, but she does not invade their personal space so much that she's going to jump up in your lap and, and lick you all over your face like so many dogs do. Uh, she respects your personal space. And she's obedient. She's a little bit stubborn, so you know that she has to come from the McLaughlin household. <clears throat> but she is such a good dog. But when I take her outside to play, or when I did, she, she sadly she didn't make that move with me when I got married. So, But um, when I used to take her outside, I would get her ball or her stick or, 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 or her toy, whatever she had handy. And she would sit there and she would sit and she would wait on me to throw the ball. And she would go run out there, grab it, and bring it right back. And never failed. She would bring it right back to me. And she would wait for me to throw it again. And then I would throw it again. And she'd run out there as fast as she could and run back as fast as she could. And she'd be waiting again. And I could do that uh, time and time and time again. And she would never get tired of it. Then I might get a little bit tired of it. So I would take her ball and throw it somewhere and hide it from her. So I didn't have to keep throwing it so many times. And you can ask any one of my family members, if you take the ball and you hide it, she will run in circles. She will smell the ground. She'll do whatever she can. But she's going to keep going, and she will not stop until she finds the ball that she's looking for. She has got to be one of the most faithful ball fetchers that you will ever see in your life. She loves to play, and she will keep going until she finds what she's looking for. She never stops. She's never discouraged. She will keep on going. You could yell for her, Sheba, it's time to come inside, or dinner's on, you know, dinner. Here, I got some food or treat or whatever, and, uh, and she will never stop. She will keep going. She'll find it, and then she'll come in. And so that was the first thought that I had whenever I started thinking about a dog, Sheba girl. Amen. You can change that slide now. I'm going to get a little bit more serious in my preaching. But just as, a, just as an example, you guys can see what a dog looks like, a good dog. So many times in Pentecost, we love 
to emphasize the lion nature that the Bible talks about. We love to emphasize the power and the authority that comes with the lion. Everybody knows that the lion is the king of the jungle and the lion has that mighty roar. And that at the sound of that mighty roar, all the other animals just start trembling and shaking. We love to emphasize the power and the authority that comes with this apostolic message. We love to emphasize those camp meeting services whenever we all are running around the aisles and dancing in the altar. We love to emphasize the powerful apostolic preaching that comes forth at NAYC. We love to emphasize the great victories that happen on Sundays and Wednesdays. We love to emphasize the power and the authority that comes with being apostolic. Does anybody still believe that there is power and authority in the apostolic doctrine? Does anybody believe that we still have that lion nature inside of us? That we are the kings of what's around us. We have dominion because we we are sons of the true king, and that is Jesus. We cannot forget that we have a lion nature to us and we have dominion when we walk out into the world that we need not be afraid because we have the power of God inside of us. Does anybody believe that here today? Is anybody thankful for that here today? Hallelujah. At the same time, we sometimes forget that our adversary is also a lion. He's a roaring lion, and he's looking and seeking for whom he may devour. So many times in our daily lives, we view issues as just little bitty issues. So many times we view things of this world as small things, but we don't recognize that it is just the bait of a mighty lion that's ready to devour us, that's ready to sneak inside of our homes and wreak havoc on our family lives. We sometimes forget that we still have an enemy, and he has the power of a lion if we allow him and if we debase ourselves out of the call of God. As long as we're in the call of God, we have nothing to be afraid of because we have that lion mentality. But there are some times when the preacher is preaching that we think we may know better and we may stray from the words that he's given us or we may stray from the words that God has given us in the Bible and we may stray enough to become food in the mouth of a lion that is roaring and seeking whom he may devour. In our social media, there is a lion just waiting to see who's going to tap in and allow him a foothold in our lives. In our work lives, there is a lion there waiting for one slip up, looking for whom he may devour, looking to see if what we preach on Sunday is really what we believe on Monday and Tuesday. There is a lion looking to see if what we say is really who we are. So, sometimes we overestimate and we underestimate the power of the lion. I know personally as a young man growing up as a called man of God, a minister, a preacher, there are times that that temptation is ever-present that if 20 people don't get the Holy Ghost when I preach, 
that I'm not being effective in the hands of God. There are times as a, as a young man that I believe that if I'm, if I'm not walking out in complete and total victory, I don't have faith enough. There are times whenever I think if, if life is too hard, I'm not in the will of God. There are times that I think if there are problems coming, I can't be where God wants me to be because we are apostolic and we have a lion-like nature inside of us that has dominion over everything. So therefore, problems are not in the will of God for our lives. If we have problems, we're outside of it. That temptation is strong for us to desire to run the aisles every Sunday and view that as our only apostolic directive from God. But what we forget as apostolics is that we are called to so much more than just a Sunday afternoon lion or a Wednesday night lion that we roar whenever everybody else is around us. There's something so much deeper to our calling. And I'm sorry, but I feel like at times I fail to see that because I view it as only a Sunday and a Wednesday type message that I can only preach it on a Sunday and a Wednesday when everybody else around me are lions. And it's something that I can say and have power. And when I say it, people, People are going to run and diseases are going to be lifted and people are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe in the lion-like power of the church. I believe in the authority of the Word of God. But I also believe that there's another calling that we have to fulfill and it's the calling of being a dog. Let me explain that to you. Let me explain that to you. Because there are several times the Bible references dogs. And the first thing that I remember is in the book of Mark chapter 7, verses number 28 and 29, when the lady had a daughter who was possessed by a devil. And she reached a state of desperation where she came to the table where Jesus was sitting. She came to the feet of Jesus and she begged him, Lord, I need you to come back. I need a touch in my daughter's life. I need you to move in my daughter's life right now. And she was not a Jew. And you know what the Lord said to her? You're nothing but a dog. Why do I have to do anything for you? He didn't say that to insult her. He said that as a test to her. So many times we take things as insults when they're only tests to see what our reaction is going to be. Are we really going to allow insults and, and offenses to get inside of our soul? Or are we going to respond with a submissive nature like the lady did? She said, Lord, even the dogs, they, had, they received the scraps from the master's table. Even a dog underneath the table will receive a touch from God. Even a dog, when he is hungry enough is going to stay put underneath the master's table even a dog whenever he has that consistency is going to put himself to receive something from God So my first point I want to make is a dog knows how to stay hungry. A dog knows how to hunger after the things of God. A dog is never satisfied with yesterday's meal. But a dog is always ready to be there and receive something greater. 
Come on, I believe that there's about half of the church in this place today showing your lion-like mentality is dead and you don't have a hunger for the things of God. I don't care what you feel or what you think is going to be good, what you think you need in your life, as long as you're in the presence of God, we've got to be responding to it. Let me tell you this. I looked up. I looked up. So many of us want that lion mentality here. I looked up how many times does a lion eat? How often? What's the space in between it? See, the king of the jungle takes one big meal. And they will only eat every four to five days. Tell me if that doesn't speak about your spiritual life. Tell me if that's not reaching into your living room. And talking about your spiritual life. That yeah, I love a Sunday service. I love the power of God whenever the preacher gets up there and preaches and is anointed by God. And he has all the right things to say. But what about the rest of that dog mentality that says I'm not only hungry for a Sunday. I'm not hungry for uh, uh, one service and then I'm good for the next four to five days. I'm hungry every day. I've got to get in the presence of God. I've got to put myself in the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. I've got to mortify the deeds of this body every day. I've got to crucify the flesh because I'm not satisfied I'm still hungry I still want more I want to see God do greater things I'm not satisfied just to be here in a nice sanctuary I'm not satisfied to be out there having parties in the foyer but not having new souls coming into church I've got a dog mentality Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking to you about a deeper relationship with God than just coming in on a Sunday and sitting on the pew. Come on, what happened to some of your hunger whenever you first received the gift of the Holy Ghost? What happened to some of your zeal whenever you first started and were first converted? Come on, it wasn't that long ago, only a couple Sundays. We sat down with our Spanish team, and we had our pastor there, and he was throwing out the vision. And I just remember going back to whenever we first started. I thought to myself, I don't know. I don't feel adequate. I don't feel like I have all the answers. I barely can speak any Spanish. I feel like I'm struggling. But I know that I've got a vision, and I know that I've got a hunger, and I know that I want to see God do something. And you know what happened? I expected that lion-like mentality to take over. And we were going to explode to 50 and 100 in a year. That's faith that I had. But what happens when it doesn't line up with how I pictured it? We were seeing good growth and then COVID hit and there was a bunch of people that I still don't know where they are. And a lion would learn how to wait until the next big meal came around. Because a lion would sit there and say, we had a good service this past Sunday. I'm not hungry. Let me step back from the table of what God wants to do in my life. Let me step back and let, and just coast for a little bit. But thank God that we have a unified team in Calvary Espanol because we sat down with Gabby, myself, Danny, and Jackie in my dad's office
And we sat there and we started going through. We said we could do this with this position. We could do this with this position. There was no offense. There was nobody jockeying for positions. There was nobody trying to lift one person up over the other. And you know why that was? Because we have a dog-like mentality that says I don't care what I have to do or who's going to do what. All I want to do is see somebody saved. I want to see revival. I've got a hunger. I've got a passion. And I've got a dog mentality that won't give in till I see it. I'll back for scraps if I need to but I'm going to see something and I'm going to receive something come on is anybody hearing me in this place today I'm talking about receiving a hunger for the things of God the Bible says blessed is a man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness for he shall be filled Come on, I don't want to be one of those people who hungered and thirsted after righteousness, but somewhere I fell off. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that I'm, I'm ministering to half the people here today. The second thing that I'd like to talk about is that dogs are vigilant. I talked to you that the story of Gideon was very powerful to me. So I went back to the story of Gideon and started thinking about how he started the army. They had several thousand men. The Lord told him, it's too big. You need to cut the army down. He told him, whoever's afraid, you can go home. We don't need you. A bunch of people left. So he thought, okay, well now, now it's going to be okay. I did what God asked me. And he went back to the Lord, and the Lord tapped him on the shoulder again and said, no, it's too, still too big. Gideon thought to himself, man, have you seen those other guys, how big they are? Have you seen how big that army is? They outnumber us 10 to 1. The Lord came back and said, nope, still too big. So do you know what God told him to do? He said, go down to the river. He said, we're going to let everybody drink. We're going to watch how they drink. <clears throat> there was a good number of them that they kneeled down at that cool water. And I imagine they'd been marching for a long time. They were hot. They'd been working and they kneeled down at that cool water. And they dipped their whole head down into that water. And they just drank until they couldn't drink anymore. But there was another group, a much smaller group of about 300 and they took their hand down into the water. They never kneeled down or, or all the way. They may have kneeled to one knee, but they never kneeled down all the way. And they took their hand down into that water and they brought it up to their mouth. And the Bible says that they lapped at the water like a dog. And the Lord said, those are the ones that I want to do a work in my kingdom. Those are the ones that I need on my team. And so I asked myself, why did God want those men and not the others? If it was me and I was tired and I was hot, surely I would have probably put my whole head in just to get a little bit of coolness and relaxation from the hard uh, work that day. Or maybe I would have drank so much because it's so much easier just to kneel down and drink till your heart's content. It's a lot more difficult to just take it a little handful at a time and, and fill yourself up that way. But here's the difference is that when they kneeled down, first of all, they kneeled 
kneeled down to their comfort and pleasure over the sobriety that they needed as a warrior. There are some of us in this place today that we would rather watch church in our living room because of the comfort that it brings us rather than having the sobriety that we need to walk with God. Come on, am I helping anybody in this place today? I feel like in this culture and in this generation that we have started emphasizing comfort over the call of God in our lives. Come on, everybody feels like they can preach at home on their couch watching the preacher. Everybody feels like they have something to say sitting there in their comfort zone. Second of all, whenever they kneeled down and put their head into the water, it blinded them from any attack from the enemy that would have come their way. So whenever they kneeled down, they were basically saying, you can come do whatever you want because I'd rather trade it for a quick moment's respite. I don't think you heard me in this place there are some people that would rather let the enemy come in for a moment's rest and a moment's break and a moment's comfort come on there are some people that are letting the enemy come in like a flood on their social media accounts and their movie watching and their everything that they have media, media, media they're just letting it come in because they'd rather trade the enemy spirits coming into their house for a comforting moment on their phones There are other people that are letting the church die on the vine because they'd rather be comfortable here sitting on a pew than getting out there and working the streets and working the altars. There are other fathers in this place. And I hope not in this place. Let me backtrack there. We have a good church. I'm thankful for everybody in this church. But let me just say this. There are fathers in this world that will sit there and let their kids get run ragged by the spirits of hell because they would rather sit silent and be comfortable for a moment. Oh, I've been at work all day. I'm too tired. I need to sit down and relax rather than breaking open the Word of God, rather than teaching them what the Word really says. You'd rather let your kids learn from the spirit of this world and their school system and everything else because you'd rather dip your whole head into the water and you're going to ever exalt pleasure over the call of God in your life. But here is the flip side of that. That those men that they took their hand down and they lapped like a dog. That allowed them to be vigilant. That allowed them to be aware of what was around them at all times. That allowed them to have one hand free. That they could access their sword really quickly. And that if the enemy came at them, they would be ready for a response instantaneously. Because they knew that whenever you're in the battle, whenever you're in a war, whenever you're in spiritual warfare, you've always got to be ready. You've got to understand that the enemy is a lion seeking whom he may devour. But as long as I'm vigilant... as long as I'm full of the Holy Ghost as long as I have the power of God that he can't do anything to me so pleasure you're going to have to take a back seat to the call of God in my life come on I'm talking about the, ad, the, the, the ability to be like a dog on average a lion sleeps 15 up to 21 hours a day You go find them. They're sitting out there, their little lion pride, and they are crashed out. Anything could come up on them. 
They're not afraid of anything else. And so they allow the back door open for the enemy to come in. They become apathetic. They become apathetic. Ladies and gentlemen, we've never seen the spirit of the world in a more aggressive manner. We have never seen the spirit of this world coming after holiness like we have today. We've never seen the spirit of the world coming against a, 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 a Bible doctrine like we have today. We've never seen it come against preaching. We've never seen it come against the authority of the word of God like we have today. Let me tell you, right now is not the time to let that sleepy nature of the lion take over. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of thy hands. Your destruction is on the way whenever you sit down and you allow that lion-like mentality to take over and just let whatever wants to come in the church come on in the church I'm talking to any young people today is anybody willing to be vigilant is anybody willing to shut the door of the youth group to those spirits that are coming after your soul is anybody willing to step up and say no sir today to those spirits of hell trying to come in and steal your virginity in your life I don't know if I'm helping anybody here. Book of 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. What are our countermeasures to that lion? Somebody tell me. What does the scripture say? Come on, somebody say it. Be sober and be vigilant. Be sober and be vigilant. I know that this isn't that stereotypical message that we're used to hearing about wanting to hang off the chandeliers and run the aisles. But this is the greatest neglect that we have on our daily life is that we've got to be daily Christians and we've got to have the power of the, and the tenacity of a dog inside of us. I know it's all fun and games whenever we're preaching that lion-like message. I enjoy it as much as the next person. But at some point, we've got to understand that that lion is going to be broken at some point in our lives. And at that point, if we have nothing else, then we are going to not make it. But as long as we have the ability to hang on like a dog, then of course we're going to make it. As long as we can hold on and keep on this, this hard trial of faith and see the morning light, then of course we're going to make it. Third point is that a dog is faithful to the trail even if there's blood. And especially if there's blood. You'll be hard pressed today in all of the technological advancements. You'll be hard pressed to find a better machine or technology used for tracking people than a dog. Because a dog has the ability and the senses to smell and the tenacity to stay on the trail. Because there are a lot of animals out there in the world that they can smell very good. They have keen senses. But only a dog has the ability to stay faithful to the trail. There have been many times where I've been sitting there hunting a white-tailed deer. And that doe will come up behind me. She'll catch a scent. 
And she'll start blowing throughout the whole woods, letting everybody know there's danger in these woods. But a deer, as powerful as their senses are, will not stay faithful to a trail of anything else. But if you set a dog on a trail and you tell them and you train them, you need to stay on this trail until we find what's at the end of this trail. They are going to take step after step. They're going to keep on going until they reach their goal. And that's what separates a dog from something else. A lion is not interested in following a trail. A lion is not interested if there's too much work involved. A lion is only built for short bursts of speed and power. A lion, of course, is so powerful in that quick moment when he grabs the prey. But when it comes to being consistent and when it comes to lasting and and having a duration to that explosive power, he falls short every time. But a dog is built to last. A dog is built to endure. A dog is built that if you tell them you got to stay on this trail, they're going to keep going even if the sun goes down, even if the rain begins to fall, even if it's cold, hot, humid, it doesn't matter. They will run themselves into an early grave if they have to. But once they get on the scent, they're going to be going until they find what they're looking for. So let me ask you this tonight. Have you found what you're looking for? I know, of course, we've all found salvation. Or if you haven't, the opportunity's here tonight. Amen. But have you found what you're looking for? Are you satisfied with what you have right now? There are going to be things in our path that are going to try to push us off the course. And this is where I feel like I have, like I felt like God pushing me for something today. And in the book of Judges chapter 8 verse 21, it tells us that Gideon had went after Zeba and Zalmunna. They were the princes of Midian. After he won his great victory, he continued to press on. He continued to go. His soldiers were tired. There was only 300 of them. They didn't have anybody else to help carry the burden. They didn't have anybody else to help share the load. They asked many other tribes if they would join in and help them after and pursue these princes of Midian. And everybody else said, no, there's no way you can do it. You're never going to make it. But you know what Midian said? He said, I'll put you to the side. I'll deal with you later. I have a goal. I have a call. I have a purpose. I'm going to keep pressing until I catch Zeba and Zalmunna. And he kept on going. He kept on pressing. He kept on running after them. He did not stop. He did not waver. He was tired. But he kept on going for the prize. And he reached his prize. And he caught Zeba and Zalmunna. People of power and authority. People of notoriety. And he looked at them. And he planned to execute them. And he looked to his son, who was a young man. And he told him, he said, go, go slay these princes of Midian. And he started shaking. He started getting a little bit afraid. The situation was a little bit too big for him. He didn't quite feel adequate for the role or the call in the moment. And you have to remember, Gideon has not been walking in the power of God for very long. He was still pretty new to everything that was going on. Not too many, not only one chapter ahead before that, God called him. He didn't have a lot of time to figure out 
everything. And you know what Zeban Zalmunna did? The princes, over thousands of people, looked him back in the eye in almost a mocking way, told him, why don't you strap on the sword? Why don't you come out and slay us? For as a man is, so is his strength. I could just hear that maniacal voice coming out of them. As a man is, so is your strength. Making fun of the strength that he had. Because when you go back, and according to Hitchcock's dictionary for Bible names, you go back and you see what the name Zeba and Zalmunna means. One of them means a shadow or a shadowy image. And the second one means a victim and sacrifice. And Gideon had been going for so long. And he had forgot to pass something on to his son during this whole time. Is that the enemy is going to plant shadowy images in your mind. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to take you off the course. He's going to try to tell you that you're not enough and your strength isn't enough and your family can't make it because you have so many past issues. He's going to try to put shadowy thoughts into your mind and tell you that you'll never make it. And meanwhile, at that time, his partner Zeba is going to come around and this victim, that's what his name meant, this victim is going to come in and he's going to put a dart of victim mentality inside of you. Uh-oh. Young people, you need to be careful that in this day and age and in this time that you don't allow that victim mentality to take over you because the world is trying to program it inside of us. That look at us, we are the victims. Look at me, look at what everybody else did to hurt me. Look at what they did. I, I can't get up. I can't do this because I'm too hurt. Come on, somebody. There are so many people that feel like they're too hurt to receive a call of God. They feel like they're too hurt to receive the blessings that God has in your life. You're more focused on your hurt. You're more focused on the victim mentality than you are to see what God has done in your life. You're allowing a shadowy hand and a shadowy figure inside of you. You're allowing the shadows of this world inside of your head and tell you that you are a victim. Trying to say that we deserve better. People have hurt us too badly. In the meanwhile, those shadowy figures are going to try and adjust the way that we perceive ourselves and perceive others coming about us. Come on, there's going to be times when you get an offense inside of your spirit and you feel like your leaders have turned against you. That's a shadow from hell. That's a shadow coming from hell trying to distort your thinking because you're right on the edge of a breakthrough and you're right on the edge of a revival that God has promised you. You're right on the edge of grabbing hold of a blessing but you're allowing the shadowy figure of Zeba and Zalmunna and the victimhood mentality to come into side of you and to tell you what you can have victory over and what you can have victory over. So let me tell you what the scriptural version of the way we need to handle that is. We all know the story of Jacob whenever he was wrestling with the angel of God. 
He was wrestling. He had a promise that he wanted from God. He was hungry for more. He was hungry for that promise. So he started beginning to wrestle with that angel. And that angel looked down at him. And he, you know what he did? He touched his side. He put a wound inside of him. He hurt him. If Jacob didn't know any better, it would have been easy for him to get twisted and thinking that God wanted to hurt him in his life. It would have been easy for Jacob to, re- to think that God was trying to hurt him and hurt his future and hurt his family. How many of us feel like that in this place today? That because of what other people have done to us, maybe God has tried to hurt you. There, maybe we're not saying that as it is out in the open. But maybe those questions are inside of us. And that shadowy hand is putting his presence into your thought process. And that victim mentality is trying to take over. You know what Jacob did? He didn't give a second thought to that. You know what he did? He stayed focused on the promise. And when the angel said to him, let me go, you know what Jacob said? I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to allow this victim mentality to take me over. I'm not going to allow my offenses to stop me. I'm not going to allow anything else to step inside of me and take over my thought process. As a matter of fact, I've got a promise. And if you want me to let you go, you've got to go ahead and bless me. You've got to go ahead and give me the promise. Is anybody hearing me in this place today? As long as you're focused on what's wrong in your life, as long as you're focused on all the people that have done you wrong, you'll never step into the blessings that God has for you and your family. So you know what happened outside of that story? Jacob walked out. He wasn't Jacob any longer. God gave him an identity change. He said, you're going to be Israel. You're going to be the father of the nation that is my people. Oh, come on, somebody. I know that you may feel like you're broken. I know that you may feel like people have done you wrong. But here tonight, you can meet with the master. You can have an identity change. You don't have to allow your past to define you. You don't have to allow your offenses to define you. You don't have to allow your insecurities to define you. Because we're here in the presence of God. And you know what that story reminds me of? An old story about Androcles and the lion. It's a bedtime story. There was a mighty lion in the forest. And he started moaning and whimpering. And there was a servant, Androcles, that came out and saw that he had a thorn in his paw. And that little bitty thorn changed that lion so much that he lost his authority because he was in pain. That lion was so humbled by a little bit of pain that he lost the authority in that forest where he was. How many of us have lost that lion-like mentality because we've allowed offenses and hurts to take over our minds and take over our thought processes, take over our spiritual walk with God? Even your prayer life has been changed. Even your prayer life has been affected by these pains. You 
you don't pray and bless God anymore. You come asking God, God, why have you allowed all these things in my life so much? You've become so infatuated with the negative things in your life that you've allowed the lion-like nature to be killed and to be broken in your life. And it's at that moment when you've allowed all these offenses and all these hurts to take over that you need a dog-like mentality to step in that says, I don't care if I've been hurt. I don't care if the road is going to be hard ahead of me. I don't care what it's going to take. I don't care if there's going to be blood on the trail, but I'm got to stay faithful to the trail. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to compromise because I've been hurt. Because the fact of the matter is that yes, sometimes we're hurt, but he was hurt way more for our cause. He went through so much more pain for you and I. So why would we negate? Why would we deny everything that he wants to give us over a little bit of thorn? Why are we going to allow the lion mentality to be struck down because of a little bit of offense? I'm coming to a close. If the musicians would like to come, I'd like to read to you. A little thing written by a very important man during World War II, Winston Churchill. You see, the Axis powers had won some key and vital victories in World War II. They struck the whole mainland of Europe with awe. Whenever Paris fell and they invaded France with the rapid movement and the power that his Blitzkrieg forces had. There was a continual bombing on the city of London and throughout the country of England. Morale had never been lower. They were there on the precipice of defeat in many ways. The German scientists were making advancements in so many different areas. You could read about the destruction that they were causing. There was chaos in everybody's mind. In the country of England, many were debating on whether they should keep going or try to settle and compromise and settle with Germany and Hitler. The symbol of England is the lion. And the lion was broken. The lion was facing defeat. The lion had those mocking spirits talking to them. Your strength isn't that much. Look at you. You can't accomplish this. And it was during that low. And it was during this low point that a man stood up to the cause. When the lion was down and broken, he rose up and he gave some key and pivotal speeches in a time of need. His name was Winston Churchill and he had been facing some deep issues of his own. He was a man that oftentimes battled depression. He had family issues. He battled sickness and a weak body. But when the people needed him most, he rose to the occasion. 
And he wrote speeches and gave speeches such as this. We lie within a few minutes of striking distance. As bleak and as dark as it looked, he wrote to them, we're just one move away from striking a key victory. I know sometimes that the spirit of this world looks tough. And I know that it can be discouraging to see everything that's going on around us. I know sometimes it appears as if the lion nature inside of us is breaking and is being weakened. But let me remind you, we are one move away from striking a great victory. And the victory is not going to be to the one that expresses the most power in one moment. But the victory is going to be won by those that just keep on holding on. By those that stay true to the fight. That will not let go. That are relentless. That are tenacious. That have the audacity to keep on getting up again. He also had a speech on the 5th of October in 1938. And it simply said, we take our stand for freedom. Come on, somebody. I feel like God's trying to witness and minister to somebody that you haven't had freedom of the mind in too long. You haven't had freedom in your spirit for too long. You've been battling things for too long. Let me tell you something right now. I know it may seem like that lion nature is down for the count. But right now, that dog nature needs to stand up inside of you and says, Here, tonight, this moment, we take a stand for freedom. We take a stand for freedom of the mind. We take a stand for spiritual freedom. And I'm not just going to stand for it. I'm going to keep on going. I'll put one foot in front of the other. There are going to be times when all we can do is take one step. And it's going to exact all the energy we have. And then we'll sit there and recuperate for a little bit. But we can't become uh, stagnant. We've got to put one more foot in front. And then one more. And you've got to be faithful to the stand for freedom. In addition to that, he wrote another one that was titled, Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat. I sometimes forget what our pioneers did so that we could have services like this. That they invested blood and they invested tears and they invested toil and they invested sweat. And here we are so accustomed to sitting on a nice comfortable pew allowing those that blood, those tears and the sweat, the toil Fade away. We're at a crossing point where we're either going to take on that attitude that says, I know the victory may be hard fought. I know it may be difficult, but I'm willing to invest my blood. 
I'm willing to sacrifice for the calling that God has put in my life. I'm willing to sacrifice for the things that God has done. Sometimes that may mean that I've got to sacrifice my right of being offended. If you want to go forward in the kingdom, sometimes you've got to sacrifice your right to being offended, your right to feeling offended or victimized. Because where we're going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. As long as we're under the blood and as long as it's confirmed in this word, Then finally, there was another one that he wrote on the 4th of June, 1940. And it simply said, we shall never surrender. With words echoing as follows, we shall fight on the beaches, on the landing grounds, in the fields, and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills, and we shall never surrender. What are we going to do, church? What are we going to do with this opportunity that God has given us? He's called us for such a time as this. And there's going to be times when you feel like the power and the strength in your life and in your own two hands just won't be sufficient. You're not going to be able to carry on to tomorrow. You'd rather wait. Catch your breath. Slow down. Somebody else. Let me just become stagnant. There are going to be times you feel so offended like people have done you wrong. And it's true, people will do you wrong. But I don't think we're doing this for people. I don't know about you, but I'm not doing this for anybody else. There's going to be times, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be easier to throw in the towel. It will be much easier just to sacrifice is calling for the pleasure of this world. But as for me, even when the spirit of this world comes at me, even when it's hard to take a stand for the things of God, I will not surrender. If we've got to fight him in the schoolyard, the spirit of this world, I'm not saying we're going to go anywhere and become physical or violent. I'm talking about through the spiritual realm. If we've got to fight at the school grounds, if we've got to fight at the job site, if we've got to fight in City Hall, if we've got to fight in the Capitol building, if we've got to fight, we'll fight wherever it is, wherever we need to array and battle against the spirit of this world, we'll do it.
Even if I don't feel that lion mentality inside of me, I still have a dog mentality that refuses to quit, that refuses to give in, that refuses to sacrifice my calling and my vision. And we will never surrender. If you're feeling like you need to come here to the altar tonight to re to recommit some things to God, if you need to come here and just receive healing in your life, if you've come here and you're carrying a heavy load from your past and you need God to touch you today, He can. If you feel like that shadowy figure has been reaching His hand of, of, of offense and victim mentality and trying to put you against the things of God here today, you can come. But here's what I want. Just like Gideon, he told them, he said, if you're only half-hearted, if you're afraid of the sacrifice this is going to take, don't even bother in showing up. Because I'd rather have a few men sold out that have a dog-like mentality that will keep the fight going, that they're going to dig deep and give all that they have. I'd rather have those men. So if that's you here tonight, I'd like to open up these altars to you. Because this church is going to see victory. But only those that are willing to sacrifice it all are going to play the roles in that victory. Because that is who God is going to equip. Are you willing to sacrifice the offense? Are you willing to sacrifice? I know that this isn't a run-the-aisle type message. But I'm just asking those of you that are willing to, to beg for scraps from the master's table, that are willing to be vigilant, that are willing to sacrifice, that are willing to sacrifice for the call, that are willing to not let go until you have received the blessing of God. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Upper Room Podcast. Hey, if you want to stay connected with us, do not forget to visit our website at calvaryulist.org. That's calvaryulist.org. Or visit Facebook or Instagram at calvaryulist. That's calvaryulist. We cannot wait to connect with you guys there. And we hope to see you next week on the Upper Room Podcast. Be safe and God bless.